You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey there, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Welcome to episode 39 of The Melting Podcast. I am Erin Kazmark, your grill mistress, and this episode is mine. <laughs> so we're all celebrating and gearing up for holidays that have yet to be celebrated and just enjoying all the happiness and the festivities and seeing how everyone else celebrates what they celebrate. It's been pretty great so far this year. You know, we we got a bit of a jump start on Christmas here at the Disaster Kitchen and it's been awesome. The miniature chefs are particularly excited this year. But, you know, in the process and in all the jollity and everything of the holidays, we still screw up. (laughs) And the good thing is we usually have a microphone on us to record it when we do. So I think you know what's coming. I mean, come on, it's an episode I'm hosting by myself. What do you think it's going to be? It's a helping of our botched recipes. Bon appetit. Hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs, welcome to episode 32. Holy crap, is this really episode 32? Ta-da! It's a glorious day, word chefs. It's nighttime. It's a glorious night, word chefs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is really what we're like. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Then it dies. Yeah, just wipe me with a pillow whenever I do something dumb. Well, you're existing, so... <laughs> That's why. never-ending pillow lap. <clears throat> I deserve that. And you, you say I'm the mean one? <laughs> Mark. Passage. Yeah. <laughs> clicky, clicky. Clicky, clicky. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. I nodded weakly and headed for the grouping of squad cars. While I waited for my ride, another car came by. That's not my ride. While I waited for my ride, reflective shielding. Oh my god! Oh my reflective shielding. Jeff Brackett. Yeah. <laughs> Something <laughs> stuck in my throat. Was it Jeff Brackett? Ew, no. <laughs> it's old enough to be my dad, <laughs> and he lives too far away anyway. Yeah. yeah. I don't. The tired is very much a thing, but I couldn't stay away from my people for too long. Because I love you. And you love me too. And you've been sending us stuff. Good job. Speaking of sending us stuff, this was sent to us. That's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) This was sent to us. So we can follow this example. Oh my god. (laughs) Mommy brain. What I was gonna say before I was eloquently interrupted was... Foxes! Oh, there it is. Was prompts. Not prompts. Promos. Because that's the thing we're doing right now. (laughs) You've got me so confused right now. But uh, what I was going to say before I was so eloquently interrupted... Foxes! Again. I like foxes. Yay. Was prompts. Prompts are awesome. (laughs) Promos! Did you get it? Yes. Oh my god. I'm gonna, gonna yell foxes at you again. Promo. Promo, promo, promo. I'm not used to doing promos. 
I usually just inhibit oh, you from hot. doing promos. <laughs> My turn. Walking in the door, she hung her purse on the hook and yelled like a madman. AF does AF. Blah. I have AF. AF, yeah. AF, A- I did it again. <laughs> what the hell? Do you need to say Gus? <laughs> no. No. Austin, this is a horrible story to send to a new mother. Thanks. Thanks. I know it's got a happy ending, but thanks. <laughs> and you'll probably never hear any of that. I'm twitchy. Oh. You're enjoying it. Was that just the eye? What do you think was the tooth? It sounded like your tooth's like... I think it would be funny if we had him remind us to do prompts. Guys! We did that last episode. Oh, did we? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's why I think it would be funny. Mm -hmm. Because we've done it. Yeah. You're living in the past, Aaron. Stop living in the past. Live in the future, where the mystery meals happen. With the smell of coffee heavy in the air, Callie sat down at her kitchen table with her bread, jam, and coffee. That just seems so weird. With the, uh, with the smell of coffee heavy in the air, Callie sat down at her kitchen table. Son of a bitch! <laughs> with the smell of coffee heavy in the air, Callie sat down at her kitchen table with her bread and jam to read the coffee. To read the fucking coffee. The orb above his head is a deep blue, stippled with... Oh, shit. Stippled with shit. <laughs> shut up. Being shit stippled. <laughs> shit stippled. Shittled? You shit stippled codpiece. Would you rather be a shit stippled codpiece or a yeasty codpiece? Semen stippled. Ew. Well, that's on the inside. Yeah. I'm talking about the outside. Ew, semen stippled on the inside. And yeasty on the inside. Oh. And shit stippled on the outside. Oh. So much stippling. <laughs> A mystery meal! Alright, guys, you know how these work. These quirk? Yeah, <laughs> Try this again. I'm doing the bubble sound effect. <laughs> Thanks. Uh-huh. Now you don't have to edit it in. Yeah, I do. No, you don't. Totally don't. See? I can do it whatever you want. On demand. Just keep me supplied with alcohol. Oh, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's May. We don't have cheese in May. Uh, Maybe you don't. <laughs> I better check the pantry. Well, he's going to search for debris. Okay, well, we need to. I know. No. 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 I'm all for bad food puns, but no. I can't camembert it. I don't give you them. You go to be kidding me. Hey, what did we have for dinner tonight? This is going to have already. Limbers. <laughs> you monster. Leave me provolone. <laughs> <laughs> Super <laughs> <Be for> real. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> well, we gotta go with the obvious one. This is not very Gouda. But in case we can't think of what to say next, Gouda.
Jeez, just, seriously, just, butter case. Just breathe. Oh, jeez, butter case. We can't. Yeah, I, I got. It. I just missed it the first time. Yeah. Just wow. Just breathe. I'm feeling blue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, these are going Stilton. <laughs> oh, exquisite me. Kobe, Colby, any stupider? Jack off. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the cheddar. Maybe that weird feeling was just the adrenaline. 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 It's the Italian version. Adrenaline. Wow. But you kept going with it. I like you on whiskey. God, we're idiots. I know I say it every time, but it's so true. But, you know, we really do have a lot of fun doing what we do, and we're glad that we could share even the outtakes with you guys. I'm glad that you enjoy them. Speaking of enjoying stuff, I have a feeling you're going to enjoy what's coming next. It's a promo. Just, just spoiler alert there. On a quest for domination... Evil sorcerers from another land tore apart the barriers between our worlds, and the release of magical energy burned the earth. Ten years later, a young woman named Skylar took control of the magic and used it to stop them and seal the rift. Earth was saved. Or so it seemed. Now, a new threat rises. Though the rift was closed, sorcerers from that distant land still live in our world, and the greatest of them, Embryal, has vowed to open a new rift. Helping him is Cassandra, a dark reflection of Skylar, who is devoted to him heart and soul. Will Skylar's magic be enough to stop them? And when she finally comes face to face with Cassandra, will she use her power against someone she so easily could have become? Written by Justin R. McCumber and published by Crescent Moon Press, A Broken Magic is the second book in the Born of Fire series. Skylar's adventure began in 2012 with a minor magic, and now it continues as Skylar once again pits herself against powers older and stronger than she is. Amy Dale, author of Off With Her Heart, says, Justin McCumber's Born of Fire series follows a very unique storyline, and I love that it doesn't feel just like every other book I've read. He has an amazing way of developing a universe that you can see. I am excited for what more is to come from Mr. McCumber. And Philippa Ballantyne, author of Wraith and Hunter and Fox, declares, Justin McCumber knows how to master both action and character. His writing takes you to places you'll want to go. A Broken Magic is available in print and ebook from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. To learn more about the author, please visit him at justinmacumber.com and facebook.com forward slash Justin R. McCumber. Well, wasn't that just nice? And remember, if you ever have something that you want us to promote and you have a recording for it, send it to us. We'd love to promote you guys on our show. So if you've got an ad or something like that you would like us to air, we would love to. Seriously. What's my catchphrase? 
It's send us stuff. Okay, moving right along. You know, with the holiday season, everybody's everybody's cooking. There's all this food. Everybody's always eating. But you know what we need? A little seasoning. So here we go, an interview with our head chef, A.F. Grappin, and Jared Axelrod of Voice of Free Planet X from Balticon 50. Enjoy. Hey, Lexicon of Sewers and Word Chefs. I'm here at Balticon 50 live with Jared Axelrod. Hi, Jared. Hello. Jared is the amazing host of the Voice of Free Planet X, one of the best podcasts out there. Go check it out. I was just, you know, totally cool writer because, you know, it's all written stuff. So, Jared, we want to ask just a kind of a basic question we ask everybody on this show. This, this year's question is, what is that one project that you have been chomping at the bit to write but haven't either because of time constraints or because you feel like you can't do it justice yet? Well, that's a tough one. I know. <laughs> that's a tough one. Um... Well, um, I don't know if there's anything that I'm like, I've been like holding out on mm-hmm. as far as like, I have to, to write that. Like for the longest time, um, I did, I did a, uh, a web comic about a, uh, D-list supervillain called Comrade Cockroach, mm-hmm. who has shown up in the Voice of Free Planet X and other places. Yes. Uh, cause I love that guy and a lot of other people love that guy too. And so... Uh, for the longest time, I wanted to do, like, a Comrade Cockroach 101 kind of story. And that, like, <laughs> here is everything you need to know about the character and the world he inhabits and all of that. And I kind of... And I, and so there was, like, this need to tell that story. Not necessarily an origin story, but to kind of be, like, here is an, an archetypal mm-hmm. Comrade Cockroach story. And And I went through a lot of versions of that, and none of them were right. Um, for various reasons, um, as we've all gone through drafts and tossed them aside and be like, well, this scene is good, so I'll put that somewhere else and the rest of it is garbage. Yes. Um, so that, that one scene has actually been transplanted to several drafts and then everything has been tossed. Um, but recently I, I cracked it. I feel like, I feel like I had a really good idea for it because we were um, walking around and this amazing car drove by and it was one of those tricked out like on risers Mm -hmm. bright purple um, like zebra patterned interiors (laughs) lights and things it it looked like literally like a super villain car like like (laughs) if there was a wacky races going on that would be... That's the bad guy. Yeah, like, that's the Joker mobile or something. It was it was beautiful in its super eccentricity. <laughs> and so, seeing that, it occurred to me that the perfect way to kind of introduce who Comrade Cockroach was is to give him a foil of someone like this guy who is into super villainy for the style aspect, for yes. the trappings, yes. to have this kind of... Uh, to have this kind of car, to have this kind of outfit, to be like, I don't take any guff from anyone. I'm an outlaw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's... I've been doing... I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and, and 
Some of those are, are NPR-esque true crime kind of things where mm-hmm. they talk. And the criminals are always so dumb. Like they are, <laughs> and unsurprisingly, but they're dumb in like the same ways as they all kind of idolize like movie criminals. Right. And it's like, I want to be like the guys in the Godfather movies, forgetting that mm-hmm. the whole point of the Godfather movies is that crime eats you out from the inside and destroys yeah. everything you love. But they're like, no, they're not. But those scenes where everybody was wearing nice suits and doing whatever they want, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want that that part. And so they do really small, petty crimes in order to afford the look of being a criminal and the idea of being a criminal, but not actually being a criminal empire kind of person. So that kind of character is a great contrast to Comrade Cockroach, who is a supervillain. Um, but in, in a completely different way, mm-hmm. in that he is um, someone who is hopelessly devoted to doing real crime <laughs> and uh, never wins, but keeps at it and is trying to, and does horrible things on a regular basis, mm-hmm. feels bad about them, but does them because of the larger goal of something that has nothing to do with being noticed and being seen. Mm-hmm. Um so to have one of these dumbass criminals, wannabe supervillains, who has a car and an outfit and a gimmick, <laughs> yes. and be like, "Hey, come with me! I, I, you're really cool. You're a hard man, Comrade Cockroach. We should do something together." And then Comrade Cockroach is like, "Oh, you want to do something together?" And then goes on a literal crime spree <laughs> of mayhem and destruction. Um, I'm just I'm just visualizing Comrade Cockroach just dragging this pimp around. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. They like the plot as it stands. They like break into like a like a Fantastic Four esque. Oh yes. Teams hideout to get this shrink gun uh-huh. or a size changing gun, and then they do that and they get the gun and then they just wait around in like a busy area until another superhero. A Batman ask with a, a cool car gives them chases them through the city, <laughs> and then Comrade Cockroach uses the gun to like make lar- um, normal things huge to be in the way. So they're having yeah, the guys yeah. has to go around like giant umbrellas and things like that. <laughs> but the the end game is to find this like Godzilla like creature that has been shrunk <laughs> into a manageable size and. Comic Cockroach is like, we're going to put you back to the size you were. And so he starts tearing through the city. And then that brings all of the superheroes to um, the yard. All the yard. <laughs> and so our wannabe is freaking out, as you might imagine. And uh, and this is this is where Comic Cockroach takes him by the very wide and spangly lapels. <laughs> And says something, and again, this is the beauty about doing a lot of real crime research, is you can take things real people have said, and it's not plagiarism. Yeah. That's research. (laughs) But this is a line I heard someone say, is like, I was a good criminal, but that meant that I was also a bad uh, brother, a bad son, a Mm -hmm. bad lover, a bad everything Mm -hmm. to be a good criminal. (laughs) Um, And so taking that wholesale... Conrad Cockroach holds him up and is like, you are not a good person. You are a bad friend. You are a bad 
uh, lover, you're a bad son, mm -hmm. but you can be in this moment. Yes. A good monster. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And then they go face the. Andrew. Hey. Um, Hi. They go face the. Uh, Sorry to leave the mess around. Oh, you're okay. good. You're good. And then they go face the oncoming superhero who obviously kicks their ass. Yes. Um, and so that was that story. And now I'm thinking it's part of a larger story that I've been toying with. Um, because, as you might imagine from that description of that plot, I, I am more interested in how people in superhero universes live mm -hmm. than actually being superheroes and supervillains. Yeah. Like, like what kind of, what does that do to you to have yeah. that life? Um, to have where all that weirdness happens on a constant yeah. basis. Like, what does that do to a person? Yes. So I've, and I've been toying around cause I have a bunch of super hero and supervillain characters that I'm not interested in telling superhero supervillain yeah. stories with, but I do want to tell their stories of what they do around mm -hmm. those kind of things. So like <laughs> this is the dumbest character ever, but I love him. Uh, his name is question shark and he's a shark man, <laughs> part of a lineage of shark man experiences, experiments done by Nazis in world war two. Okay. And he is, there's a, and so the idea is there's this uh, beach community in this superhero universe, and a subset of that is shark people. Yeah. Um, who are just making their way, man. It's a couple generations since they, the Nazi scientists, but this one knucklehead is like, no, we should be villains. It's our birthright. I am question shark. And it's like, stop it, Roy. Why can't you be a doctor like your brother? And so, Question Shark then obviously is the the foil of Comrade Cockroach. <laughs> right. And so once that came in, then there was other weird characters that yes. are n adjacent to Question Shark. Um, and and that's... So, right now... Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving. All right. Keep going. Yeah. I love yeah, you. Nerds. I gotta get... I love you and we have love for the first time in one of our interviews. Aww. So much love. I gotta go figure out my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not editing this out. No, this this is my wife, J.R. Blackwell, who's amazing. <laughs> so amazing. She's got other shit to do. Yes. <laughs> I love you. Bye. You're good too, Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, see, I just I just don't get the affection. I'm just I'm just good. You're not married to her. No. I'm married to her. <laughs> Put a ring on it, August. <laughs> then you get the affection. Um, yeah, so it's like now it's a much more sprawling story, and the Comrade Cockroach story is but a part of yes. this larger narrative, um, which is my want is to make things bigger. But I, I, I like the idea of kind of a uh, kind of a Gus Van Sant or a Richard Linkletter. Mm -hmm superhero story yeah. where we just wander in and out of people's lives yeah um and see important things but not the things that you were mm -hmm. thinking of seeing well have you seen the tumblr of people just wanting to see um bucky barnes captain america and loki and thor 
as a buddy comedy sitcom where they just sure. can't deal with real life. You just you know they're you know trying to connect to Wi-Fi and it doesn't work. Loki in the kitchen yelling at the toasters to surrender his breakfast, just not being able to deal with the mundane. Well, I mean, and what are the two scenes from Captain America: Winter Soldier? Everyone remembers. Everyone remembers Captain America's list of pop culture. Uh huh. He has to catch up on. Yep. And everyone remembers the scene in the Mac store mm-hmm. where a normal person <laughs> interacts with these superhero <laughs> super spies uh-huh. for a moment. And that's because those those stories are fascinating. Yes. And like when the mundane interacts with that is is interesting. And like there's a lot of good stuff that you can do with metaphors of the human experience, it doesn't have to be a one-to-one kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell a story of someone who is trying to reconnect to their roots um, and uh, be an Orthodox Jew and their more reform um, family is like, stop it. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't need to do all that. Yeah. Or you can have a shark man (laughs) Talk about reconnecting to his yes. roots. And then, if you're not Jewish, you can still get something out of yeah. that metaphor. Um, so I think there's a lot of power in these in these power fantasies. Mm-hmm. Because they are so broad, because they are so cartoony, we can insert ourselves into them very easily. As you said, who hasn't had problems connecting to Wi-Fi? Yes, yes. And that sort of amplified cartoonist frustration of, of not finding your place in the world because of these things is... Is a lot of fun to play with, and yes. it's very attractive. So that's that's kind of, I guess, an answer to your question. <laughs> There's an, an excellent sprawling answer. Yeah, and I feel like it's an answer, but it's also not an answer because it's not something that I've been like chong at. The, it's like very recent. It's very fresh, as yes. you can tell by how excited I am. Um, you know, I have I have stories that I've been wanting to tell, and I have tried to tell, and those drafts are not didn't come together for whatever reason. And I don't, I don't think of those as something like I'm going to go back to. Um, I spent, I spent like years, nearly like eight years off and on working on a novel and going through draft after draft after draft. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think, I think the concept was good, but I don't think it was good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those high concept ideas that's like, that's really interesting. And then you try to pull it and it's like, nope, this is, this is not, it's not actually going to fly other than a, Oh, someone should write a book about that. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of thing. And there's a reason people haven't. And, and I don't think it's, uh, this probably sounds very conceited and full of hubris is like, I don't think it's my fault. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a great writer. (laughs) I think the concept itself is difficult and um maybe it's a possibility that sometime down the line i will be able to be like you know what i've cracked it i know what was missing but i think more likely it's just something that it's not it's not my story to tell successfully Mm. and that's fine because even with all those years spent writing it I learned a lot I learned a lot about writing novels I learned a lot about myself as a writer and what I like to write and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and um, yeah so so I don't have anything that's been like like my white whale yeah my fiction white whale not so much uh, but I do have stuff that I would like to do more of like I said like I, mm. I, I love Comrade Cockroach <laughs> 
I, I, the character is just such a weird little guy, but he's so much fun to write um, that I could probably write him forever. Um, so let's see. Well, fun, fun fact, when I was uh, first starting writing in like 6th, 7th grade, I wrote a, it probably was novella-length at least, um, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles parody called The Kung Fu Cockroaches. Oh, man. So, so Comrade yeah, no. Cockroach kind of has a, that little special I could have place in my heart. <laughs> I think we've all, I think there's a, everyone around our age probably has their own variation of Teenage Mutant Turtles <laughs> yes. that they made up. Yes. Um, which may, may be part of the longevity of that property. I love that that is somehow timeless. Yeah. But it's here like, we are well, I guess 30 we- years after their inception. And it's like, yeah, still around. Well, that's because teenagers are still around. It's just right. Well, ones. and it's, it's. I think here's the, it is the perfect childhood property mm-hmm. because of a couple things. One, when you're a child, teenagers are the coolest things. In oh the world, yeah. You know, because they're not adults, but they're mm-hmm. like, a, also cool ninjas. They're ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> that's just cool. Ninjas mm-hmm. are cool. So that that right there, like this is the. Uh, Success of Naruto, right? Yeah. Teenage Ninjas. Boom. Yes. <laughs> Teenage Ninja School, print a mint. Um, but then you add to the fact that they are turtles, mm-hmm. which is great because then you can, again, we come back to those metaphors. It's like you can imprint yourself onto those characters mm-hmm. so easily, um, like beyond the fact that they're, they're four basic archetypes. Yeah. Uh, they're essentially the Golden Girls. <laughs> but... <laughs> I've never thought of that, but now I'm going to. Yeah, well, it's... Oh, it's my a... God. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I just want somebody... And somebody probably has. No, I just want to see the old, uh, you know, cartoon intro to the Golden Girls theme. To the neat Mutant Ninja... I want to see someone take some Golden Girls dialogue audio and put it oh! to <laughs> some Ninja Turtle cartoons. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Um, so internet, give me what I want. Yes. Uh, cause I ain't going to do it, <laughs> but it, it's funny cause I was, I was reading like a Stephen King story that he wrote in the eighties. Um, and the story doesn't matter, but the point is that there are people at the mall and why are they at the mall? They're going to go get some Ninja Turtles. And I was like, this could be so dated. Yeah. Like how did he pick the one property that he knew was going to be timeless? I'm yes. sure he didn't. He just was going for something because there's certainly some stuff in Stephen King books that's horribly dated oh, yeah. but it's like this is now and I'm sure Ninja Turtles will continue forever but it's like now it's timeless <laughs> like there will always be a child who wants to go to the, to the store to get Ninja Turtles yes okay so you, you mentioned earlier that you're conceited mm-hmm. <laughs> we do like to play that up a little bit uh, the first time we have a, a, a writer if I don't talk about how great I am no one else will. Well, see, so here's here's what we're going to do. What would you say is your greatest strength as a writer? Oh, dialogue. Yeah? Uh, yes. Love. I love to write dialogue, and I love dialogue, and uh, people quote dialogue back to me that I have written, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> and that has actually been the fun of doing The Voice of Free Planet X in the current interview format than it is. Mm-hmm. It's all dialogue. Yeah. And a lot of that is when I was a, a teenager in college, I wanted to be a playwright. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hardcore focused on dialogue, um, and in being at college and doing writing, I found that actually I like prose books and comics and things like that 
more than theater stuff. Um, part of that is being a control freak. But, but also, um, you can do as much as you can do with theater, and you can do a lot. And, and certainly, um, The Voice of Pre-Planet X scratches that theater itch that mm-hmm. I have. Um, you can do even more with just straight prose as far as transporting the the, the reader mm-hmm. um, into someplace new and interesting and getting into such people's heads. Um, so I think that my ba- best thing is dialogue. Um, and it's certainly the thing I have the most fun with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my guess. <laughs> I guess works. I mean, I'm not uh, going to you what your favorite thing, what your best thing is. Well, you could. <laughs> I, you, it's, it's your you. Just, it's my me. It's, it's all of you. Because <laughs> now I'm going to bring that ego crashing down and ask what's your biggest weakness and how do you strive oh, to overcome it? My biggest weakness. Well, like in, well, my biggest weakness in general is I, I try to do too much. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, um, back when I had an agent, she told me. <laughs> Sometimes agents quit being agents, and then you're left with no agent anymore. Um, So before she quit being an agent, she told me that um, with my my first book, it's like, you were trying to do too much. You were Mm -hmm. putting everything in here, and just be aware, you will write more books. Yeah. And I I think there's a a tendency for a lot. I see a lot of writers do this, too, is like, let's put everything in. And, and in the first chapter, too. Right, Gotta right. Get all the backstory, because, all, everything. Because there is a fear that's like, this is my shot. I may never write another book. Yeah. Let me do this. Let me get it going. And it's like, that's... It's not true. No. <laughs> no. Um, I think it's especially um, interesting that this happens a lot to young writers. Um, it certainly happened to me. Um, when you see people who... Like, writing is one of those crafts. It's like the opposite of gymnasts. It's like, it's usually old people who are really mm-hmm. good at Because you need all that life experience yes. to bring that. And to, like, get really good at being a, a writer, you need to have done it for a, a while. Yeah, you need your uh, 10,000 hours. And, right. And, and then some. Yeah. Um, it's like, like people who are... Like, there are flukes. There are... Prodigies, there are geniuses mm-hmm. who, like, you know, win the National Book Award at Aragon. 25. Christopher Paulini. Sure. <laughs> um, we can argue the merits of Aragon and oh, some other books. Uh, well, hang on. Are you on the side of it is, has good merits or bad merits? I don't think it's that great a book, but it doesn't matter. You're right. With, um, okay. We, we agree. We don't need to debate this. <laughs> All right. What matters is that he finished it. That's yes. the important thing. Yes. Because that's a hard thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so props to, to that guy for finishing. Yeah. Um, but, there are, but for the most part, the people who are like, when we hold up a book that's like, this is great. Mm-hmm. It is often written by someone middle-aged or much older mm-hmm. um, because you need that life experience. So to be a 20-something author and be like, this is my one shot. Mm-hmm. And like... Calm down. <laughs> nope. Like, and, and sometimes people... You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I got my first book deal before I was 30. It was very awesome. Um, but I know a lot of people don't. <laughs> and some people, usually very successful people who we look upon as like great authors, didn't get published until their 40s or 50s mm-hmm. um, just for 
a bunch of reasons. And one of them is that they were not ready. Yeah. Um, they did not have the, their, their writing wasn't ready. And then they did. And then they wrote many more books than that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have to worry about stuffing everything in. So I think part of me wants to stuff everything in. Yeah. Um, and something I have to work against. And, and we saw that where I talked about, here's a very simple story about Conrad Cockroach and this other guy. Let's make it big with this large yeah. community. And it can be so hard to keep things small when you're writing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, um, that is, that is something I struggle with. Um, and, uh, and it's also plays in other ways that I, um, try to do too much as in I have many projects going yeah. on at once. And this was something that served me well when I was a freelancer for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, but now that I have uh, a day job that is nice and has benefits and pays me well, um, and I don't want to lose, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I can't do that. Like mm -hmm. I have to, I have to be very choosy and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm working at this day job, but I also want to sleep. So no, I know. And I want to, I want to cook dinner at night. So that, that means that mm -hmm. projects are now like, I can choose one. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's the one. And when that is done, I can choose another. I can't have two or three going on yeah. at once anymore. Um, which is my want. It's like, I want to do that, but mm -hmm. I can't. Um, but as far as like, what is, what is, what do I do poorly in writing? Um, I mean, I'm really good, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we've got, we've got your, you know, your actual weakness recorded. So yeah. We, yeah. We, like we, I we, have, I have a lot of, I have a lot of weaknesses. We can use that against you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think, I think, I mean, I don't think there's any weakness that I have in writing that I don't cure by the fifth or sixth draft, you know? It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the whole po point of revising. Right. Right. So it's like, I mean, I guess there's some points and every writer has this. So I don't know if it's a weakness or just part of the authorship. There's a point where you're writing a, a, a book and it's like, this is not done, <laughs> but I don't know how to make it closer to done. Like, yeah. it's like, I'm telling the story I want to tell. It is, it is good. I have everything in there I want. There's nothing extraneous. But I'm not sure if this is... Like, that's what beta readers are yeah. for. It's like, what's yeah. what's missing? What's not working? What's mm -hmm. there? Because I can't see it anymore. Yeah. So there's that. But I don't think that's... I don't think that's a weakness. Yeah, I think that's just... That's uh, being too close to the project. That's the price of admission. You yeah. know, there comes a the point where you're just like... Good enough. <laughs> All right. So tell my listeners about Free Planet X. All right. The Voice of Free Planet X is a uh, fake interview show. It is done in the style of a NPR This American Life kind of interview show, but the interview subjects are uh, robots and aliens and witches and superheroes and other sorts of sci-fi fantasy media. Again, as we talked about, that the life of people who are involved in this. Mm -hmm. um, so past episodes have included a support group for... Stranded Time Travelers, which you were a part which, of. Which Aaron and I were both in, which was phenomenal. And not just because we were in it. Well, it helped <laughs> that you were in it well, to make you. it phenomenal. Um, there's a, a plot line where we talk to, uh, or a fictionalized version of my wife, JR, who you heard earlier. 
uh, gets a job in hell, so we have to go to hell and talk <laughs> yes. to her bosses and coworkers there. Love it. Um, there's uh, one where I talk to an alien who's crash landed on Earth and is having trouble fitting back, fitting into Earth society because mm-hmm. there's nothing here that can repair his ship. Um, there's a bunch of stuff. I go to um, an island full of monsters and run around with a werewolf. Yes. There's a lot of just weirdness, mm-hmm. and it's done through this. NPR kind of stammering reporter lens yes. that uh, is a lot of fun to do and a lot of fun to write. And my favorite part about it, and this is why uh, this format is my favorite format of all the many podcasting formats I've experimented with over the past decade, is that I get to interact with my friends mm-hmm. and have you involved in podcasts, have other people and get, and it's all of us playing together as opposed to um, doing a straight reading where it's just me reading something or um, even me giving a script to someone else and them reading it and giving it back to me, having this interaction. Because some of it is scripted, some of it is improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, yours was improv. Uh, yes, it was yeah. improv. It was so very improv. <laughs> and it was great. And it was great. It was perfect. Um uh, and I'm, I said I had to cut so many of the jokes you did because it didn't fit the tone of what other people were improving. Um, I have that effect on you. Just do a blooper show. And yeah, I may have to do. <laughs> I'll use them some other way. Um, so that's and so yeah, it's just uh, it's basically a, a a treating these fantasy elements as if they're real people mm. and they're real lives, and it's been a lot of fun to do. Um, because I get to work with talented actors like yourself, but I also get to work with people um, like my friend Talisha, who is an actual family therapist. And mm-hmm. I got to have her come on and be like, let's talk about the psychological needs of ghost children. Yes. That was so cool. Yeah. And so she was able to do that in a realistic way with all the proper was that terminology. That was all improv. That oh, was all I, her. I, I was saying like, oh my gosh, did Jared actually put all this research into it? Or was that just, oh man, oh my God, that was so cool. That is all her. She's amazing. Oh man. She had a character ready to go and everything. She is, Talisha's the best. <laughs> um, so that's been, so there's people like that who I get to bring in and get to bring in their expertise mm-hmm. or, um, like I said, actors like you, improvers who can come in and just riff and then we have that. Um, and it's been, it's been wonderful. Um, and it's been, it's also been neat to find some hidden talents of friends of mine mm-hmm. as far as like, oh, well, I knew you were, had a good voice. I did not know you were so good at X <laughs> and we're bringing you back to do more of this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, like Jason Banks, who's, Great. He does the Talk Nerdy to Me podcast. Mm-hmm. And I had him come on because I knew I knew he had served in the military. So I was like, I have a soldier character. I need someone to bring make that authentic. Yeah. And he brought it. And he was so good. I was like, I need to write you more things. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are very down. I did not know uh, you were this. I mean, I knew he, ha- he has a lot of charisma and he's good at talking. I've listened to his podcast. That's why I brought him on. Yeah. He's a great guy. But I was like, you have untapped reserves of acting talent that we will then use. And that's why I'm so glad he's part of the live show here at Balticon mm-hmm. on Sunday, that by times people listen to this, it will already have happened. Yes. So you should go listen to it after you listen to this. Yes. Uh, Cause it'll, it's amazing. And he 
we did a run through yesterday and he was just on fire. Just did <laughs> so great. Um, so there will be fire. Yeah. <laughs> One hopes. Fireworks. Um, I don't know if we end up with another fire alarm like we did on uh, Friday. <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> uh, and and Jason was someone who didn't feel comfortable doing it at first. He's like, I'm not an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't have theater training. If you really want me, I'll do it. But I'm not comfortable. I'm not. I don't know if you really want me. And I was like, No, I want you yeah. to do it. And he did it. And I was like, Now I want you to do everything because you're great. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's been a really fun to kind of pull this out and and stuff like I didn't know you could do a Russian accent so well. <laughs> Uh, so you were like, can I do an accent? And I was like, I don't know. Cause people say, oh, I can do an accent and it's horrible. And then they lose it halfway through. And, but you were, well, Dave, great. The, it was through, well, how I met Dave Robison of mm-hmm. the round table podcast, who has been on the podcast before. Um, how I met him, we were in a production. Now, do 12- you mean Dave Robison or Dave Robison? It's Robison. Is it, or is it Robison? It's Dave. <laughs> Uh, but no, how I met him, we were... I like to think there's... One of them is the host of the Roundtable podcast, and the other one wonders why everyone's talking about him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which one is which? We don't know! I don't know, but they're both bald. Uh, but no, Adding to the confusion. But Well, when I met him, he had hair and no beard. But we, were, we were in a production of 12 Angry Men together, and so he was Juror 8, and I was Juror 11. I was the Russian. Right. So... That was all I did was that stupid accent for an hour and a half. And yeah, so, <laughs> so it comes in handy. <laughs> I was really impressed that you could riff in an accent because that's things. It's tough. That, was, it's that, tough. That, that that is what I do. <laughs> Aaron with the Valley Girl thing. Okay. Yeah, that's nice too. But uh, we try to keep these fairly short, which we're no. way over our usual time. But I don't care. This is Jared Axelrod. Um, but we do want to try to wrap this means. up. <laughs> No, I'm Jared Axelrod. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, so what, any other wisdom or any other information you would like to impart upon my pairs and pairs of fans? Um, don't be afraid to fail. I yes. think a lot of people are afraid to fail. I think a lot of people um, fall into that sunk cost fallacy mm-hmm. where they put a lot of effort into writing something and then it's it's not working and they're like, well, I can fix it. And they put even more effort. And it's mm-hmm. like, I can't abandon it now. I've spent so much time. Abandon it. Yeah. When do you stop fixing the car and just get a new one? Right. And it's like, and one thing I, I've been struggling with is not looking beyond the end result. I think it's very easy to get caught up in when this is published, I will have this great fan response and there will be yeah. money and fame and all this stuff. And it's like, none of that you have any control over. Yeah. You have control over the book. The output. It's like, that's, that's it. And that should be the end of your expectations. Mm-hmm. It's like, when this is done, I will have a book and yeah. not when this is done, I will have all this other stuff. And that's something that I've struggled with because I'm a human being. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something that we all kind of like, we, we look too far into the future mm-hmm. and it's like, so don't be afraid to fail. Um, if your book does not come together, that's fine. That does not mean that all this other future that you've imagined is a failure. Mm-hmm. It just means your your book didn't come together. And so don't worry about that future. Don't worry about the past that you've spent on it because you've also learned a lot. Yes. Every Everything you do, as long as you're writing, as long as you're doing stuff, 
you are learning and you are moving forward. And that is worth more than uh, the book itself, in fact. So, so nothing is wasted. Even if the book never turns out to be anything other than a pile of papers in a drawer, you've learned something, you've moved on, and you can do that. So I think a lot of people are afraid to fail. They're afraid that, again, my one shot. Yep. Uh, and it's not. It's not your one shot. You have many shots. Mm. Um, and uh, you just have to be ready for them. And uh, the way you get ready for them is by not being afraid to fail. Just to keep experimenting, keep pushing yourself, and keep trying to do your thing, whatever your thing is. Yes, that is exceptionally good advice. So where can we find you on the interweb? Uh, Voice of Free Planet X is at planetx.libson.com. Still. <laughs> you can tell I've been in podcasting for 10 years because I still have a Libson account. <laughs> That's how you know the old people. Um <laughs> I don't trust SoundCloud. I don't trust it. I don't, I don't trust use it. SoundCloud. A lot of people do, and I, I understand why. It's free. It's searchable. Yeah. People can comment on the audio itself. Like I understand why people use it, but yeah. I don't trust it because it's someone else's service, and I'm not paying them, so I have no rights if they yeah. want to take it down. Yeah, and that makes me very nervous to be your sole mm-hmm. feed. Yeah, say so the podcast is on Podbean. Yeah, yeah, so. Podbean's fine. Yeah. Uh, so that's where you can find Free Planet X. What yeah. about just you? Just me, jaredaxelrod.com. Surprise. Um, that makes too much sense. I know. Uh, there's another, there's many Jared Axelrods, but there's another one who is internet uh, savvy. And he got Jared Axelrod uh, at Twitter. Oh. Um, so every now and then I check that to be like, what's the alternate me doing? <laughs> and apparently he does the same thing looking at my website. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, I, I, I sat on Jared Axelrod at Twitter for a while and then deleted it. Cause I was like, this is an, I'm not using this. And then, and then he snatched it up. Aww. And then, so now it doesn't matter if I wanted it or not. Cause he's got it, which is mm. fun. It's his name too. Yeah. Uh, but I'm at planet X. At Twitter, which is something I always try to get whenever there's a new media yeah. coming yeah. up, is like, I'm on Planet X. Um, which is a problem because of Planet X spikes. Oh. Is <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people try to tell me about their bike on Twitter. And yeah. like, I, I, no. don't, I don't know about your bike, man. <laughs> Have you tried Planet X bikes? Um, <laughs> but yes, Planet X and Twitter. Uh, JaredXRed.com has salient links to like Facebook and things like that. Um, Instagram, Planet X. The Voice of Free Planet X is an Instagram. Uh, that's just VFPX. Uh, also has a Facebook fan page. Um, there's all sorts of cool stuff there. Uh, there's, I have a YouTube, but mainly that's for videos for the Patreon for the podcast. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, supporter, backer, whatever we call them, Patreonite. Patron. That seems so normal. Yeah? Yeah. Patron? No, no, no. We need something cooler than that. Pat? (laughs) It's Pat. Patron Commander? I don't know. Yes! We'll figure out something. Um, If you're... So, and that's at uh, patreon.com slash axelrod. Um, And if you want to go there, you can support the Voice of Free Planet X. And that means... The money there goes to 
which has been very successful, which has been great. So I've been able to get illustrations for mm-hmm. each episode, which has been great. We'll get some my illustrator friends involved and pay them real money. So thank you, Patreon backers, for doing that. And if we keep going, eventually, voice actors like yourself might get a token payment for all the hard work that you do. Oh, my gosh. Which would be great. Yeah. Um, There's a pie-in-the-sky goal that's like actual voice actor rate payment. Oh, man. Um, I would love to be able to do that, but that's... Yeah. Paying writers and voice actors for the podcast are some of our goals. We're nowhere near yet, but that's okay. We've got time. You got time. Nothing but time. You got time. Uh, So that's where all the internet places, but the important part is jaredaxwad.com. PlanetX.Lipson.com. Uh, the voice for Planet X is on iTunes. It's also on Stitcher. You can search for it there. Um, started episode what, 300 <laughs> for, the new, for the new format? No, it started episode one. Well, oh, okay. Oh, oh, you're renumbered. They're renumbered. So if you if you just go back a little bit, where episode 18 is the current episode, or 17, 18 is the episode we're about to do. No, 15. I don't know. There are numbers involved. There are numbers involved. It's in the teens right now. <laughs> I don't know when this is going to be up. Yeah, I mean, Maybe yeah. in the early 20s. doesn't matter. Just go to, just go back to the one. It's called um, What They Leave Behind. That's the first episode. It is not necessary for you to listen to that first. Uh, there's not a whole lot of continuity, but there is some. So if you wanted to have that experience, you could also just listen to the most recent episode, um, which there may be... I hope, my hope, and some of these episodes are more successful at this than others. My hope is that the continuity rewards people who are listening to it yes. and remember things, but does not confuse people who are not yeah. listening to it. Well, you explain who Gorga is when he shows up. So yeah. Okay. Um, so there's there's some of that. Um, I hope. Like I said, some episodes are more successful <laughs> than others in doing that. Um, but... You know, I'm not afraid to fail. Yay! We appreciate you being on, Jared. Oh, it's great. I love the show. Oh, thank you. Wasn't that fun? So as always, you know what I'm going to ask for. I'm going to ask you to send us stuff. But just so that you know what to send us, I'm going to tell you what our active prompts are right now. We have prompt number 10. An animal from outside your local ecosystem has entered nature and is breeding uncontrollably. And this is the last month for this prompt, guys. It's going to be closing soon, so get it while it's hot. And then we have prompt number 11. The empanadas you just took out of the oven exploded, and something alive is emerging. It is not the last month for that one. But still, get it while it's hot, guys. Keep them coming. We need your submissions. You want to hear from us? We gotta hear from you. So send us stuff. And in addition to sending us stuff, you could always send us, you know, good vibes and, oh, well, I guess you could actually take action and why don't you check us out on iTunes and leave us a review? You know you wanna. Five stars. I mean, five stars. Sorry, I didn't say it loud enough the first time. And once you're done on iTunes with your five-star review of us, you can always go to our Spreadshirt shop. You know you want swag. This is swag that you can get. We've got aprons. We've got mugs. I mean, let us know if there's anything you want us to add to the shop. There's so many options that you could get our logo with our faces. Yeah. You can find that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash meltingpodcast. Go. Oh, wait.
You done? Awesome. What'd you get? All right. And then once you're done with all that, I mean, I know you're already done with going to our, our spreadsheet, but, but you know, once you're done with everything else, like the five-star review on iTunes, go to our Patreon. If you want to become a backer, you're going to get even more swag. And there's also the Patreon backer only episode that's going to be coming out soon. And guys, you do not want to miss this. This is one of my favorite stories I've read and had read to me. I thoroughly enjoy this one. It's a doozy. So go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash afgrappin. And, you know, back us a little bit, even just a dollar. Every little bit helps. Well, that is everything on my to-do list. It sounds like I am about ready to close the kitchen, guys. So do everything I told you to do, like that five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to send us stuff, and we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us. The Melting Podcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. stuff.